as with every single conversation we have here, like I will never stop saying this is just my own personal opinion. So please feel free to completely disagree with me if you need to do so. Welcome to Sex and Spirituality. I am your host, Lauren Coletti. Thank you for joining me today. We have so many new listeners and sometimes I feel like I just jump right in and expect everyone to know where I'm coming from and what I'm talking about. So I will try to be more clear. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome to my Pride Month series. Hope everyone is doing well today and happy Friday. It's my first day back on the keto grind and it's been a struggle. I've been like suffering with esophagitis. It was pill induced because I have a weird obsession with medicine. Like I love taking supplements so much. I swear as someone that identifies as a female and we know those gender roles and expectations that come and assumptions that are bullshit, but I've never loved spending money on like clothes and shoes and pocketbooks, like the stereotype that you would naturally think of. I would be so much rather willing to spend my money on supplements than anything else because I feel like marketing is everything as we know and so many supplement brands, especially on Instagram, they get me every time. It's like try your your free trial, just pay shipping and handling and it's like This little pill will solve all your problems and make you turn into Beyonce overnight. And I fall for it every time. And I can't say I notice a difference at all when I take supplements, like ever. But hey, we all have our weaknesses, right? Am I right? So thanks for joining me today. We're going to be talking about demisexuality, sabiosexuality, pansexuality, dating in the 21st century and navigating everything. And if you haven't listened to my other few episodes, I invite you to do so. And also know that even though I have a master's in sexuality studies and gender studies, I'm still learning. So please bear with me as I try to navigate the linguistics. We know language is extremely important and I will do my best to be respectful but bear with me because I'm not perfect and I'm still on this journey and learning like everyone else. So with that being said, let's talk about it. Oh, I want to also comment on my last podcast on ethical non-monogamy and open relationships. Listen, I was thinking about this. I I always think of things to say after I'm done recording and then I'm like, fuck, I should have added that. But a caveat If you are not into swinging or any type of alternative relationship, that is your prerogative. You do you, boo. I am not here to force anything upon anyone. I'm not saying that I want to be in an open relationship. I'm just saying I'm open-minded to it. And that's the whole point of this podcast. I want you to be curious, not judgmental. I want you to just entertain different ways of thinking and open your mind and raise your vibe. Um, together, we can collectively raise our vibration to be more conscious, enlightened beings. Hopefully, one day, that's the goal. I'm not there yet. But I, I understand the thinking in monogamish or non-monogamy. It's like, why am I not enough? Why should this person 
quote unquote, have their cake and eat it too? I can't answer that question. I am not a philosopher. I'm not an anthropologist. I don't have the answers. I'm not a doctor. I don't think anyone really has the answers. They just have their own opinion, right? And our subjective reality is completely different than the truth, but that's another topic for another day. But I feel like if your partner is pushing threesomes and all this stuff onto you and you're not comfortable with it, if they invade your privacy or make you not feel safe or they make you feel pressured or forced into doing something you don't want to do, please don't be with that person. We should never push or force our beliefs on anyone ever. And if someone violates us and exploits us and violates us, no, that's just not cool. Boundaries need to be set. And that's one of the things that I admire about non-monogamy is the enforcement of boundaries and communication. You have to communicate what you want and what you need with your partner. And I don't know, I would, that's why I would be so interested in talking to someone who is polyamorous because I find it so interesting and I would love to learn the boundaries and navigating that world because I was talking to my boyfriend about this the other day and he said, well, why? I think that like polygamy is just having your cake and eating it too. But is that not okay to want to have your cake and eat it too? I don't know. I just think there needs to be balance and like a moral ground that you meet upon in a partnership when you're paired and coupled with someone You have to find what works for you and what works for you as a couple might not work for someone else. So one, never let anyone force anything upon you that you are not comfortable with. It's not for everyone, just like monogamy isn't for everyone. And two, obviously trust your intuition, talk about it with your partner, and just know that even if your partner is interested in exploring sexually with other people, it has no measure of your worth. It does not mean that you are not enough. I just want to reiterate that before we jump into today's episode. So let's talk about it, right? What are we talking about today? Sexual orientation, the sexual spectrum. So, and how do these things evolve, right? I feel like my sexuality has evolved so much over the last, I don't know, when I started being a sexual human which would be right around this time, 10 years ago. I had sex for the first time when I was 18. I think I sucked my first dick when I was 17. And I kissed a person. The actually, actually funny story, I'm bisexual, if this is your first time listening. The first humans that I ever kissed were females. I think I kissed three girls before I ever kissed a quote unquote boy. So that's interesting. But anyway, so I started having my sexual debut around 10 years ago during this time. And my sexual evolution has taught me a lot about myself. And I identify as a demisexual and sapiosexual, which I'll get into in a minute, as well as a bisexual. But since it is Pride Month and we honor every single sexual orientation and gender identity, they're all so valid and I do identify as a queer person, I want to quickly answer, is being bisexual the same thing as pansexuality? And if you listened to my last episode, I said I prefer to just use the term bisexuality for simplicity's sake, but bisexual and pansexual are two different ways to describe sexual orientation. And although they don't mean the exact same thing, some people relate to both terms and describe themselves as both bi and pansexual, which 
I, that resonates with me. You can use whichever terms you like. So what exactly does it mean to be bisexual? It means that, well, does it mean you're attracted to people of both genders? Not exactly, because gender is not binary, meaning that people don't all fall into the categories of men or women. Non-binary is a word that describes people who don't exclusively identify as either a man or a woman. So non-binary people could identify as bigender, agender, gender fluid, to just name a few. So both quote-unquote genders is a misnomer. So are bisexual people only attracted to men and women and not non-binary people? No, not necessarily. Non-binary mean like people have been acknowledged by and as a part of the bisexual community for many decades. So bisexuality means different things to different people. To some, it means attraction to two or more genders or multiple genders. And to others, it means attraction to people of the same gender and people who are another gender. Because some bisexual people might only be attracted to men and women and not non-binary people, but that's not every bisexual person's experience, such as your girl here. I know it's a lot, it's a lot to learn. The times are changing and we got to adapt to them, right? So what exactly does it mean to be pans? The prefect pan means all. So similarly, pansexuality means that you're attracted to people of all genders. This includes people who don't identify with any gender, such as agender. And many pansexual people describe themselves as being attracted to people based on personality, not gender. So note that pansexual doesn't mean you're attracted to all people. For example, heterosexual men aren't attracted to all women, as we know, and vice versa. It simply means that they find themselves attracted to people of all sorts of gender categories. So I just want to get that out of the way because I don't want people to think I'm discriminating by saying I'm bisexual. Yes, not everything is literal. So before I get into this and talk about my sexual evolution, someone asked me why I never came out of the closet, quote unquote. I personally feel you don't need to sit down and have a serious discussion and have, you know, bear your all if that's something that you don't want to do. If I'm being honest, I've never technically came out of the closet. And this is to not say people don't know or I'm ashamed. Uh, anyone can know. Anyone and their mother can know. People know. But I've never gone out of my way to sit anyone down and tell them. Because for me, it's never, like, as a bisexual white woman who is cisgendered, I am very privileged in that fact. And a lot of my relationships have been with men. So people have never questioned it. As I stated in my bisexuality episode, people just assume if you're dating a man that you're straight. I do not identify as heterosexual. So the discussion, the conversation, the coming out, it just felt forced to me. And honestly, if someone didn't accept it when I was seeing a girl or fucking a girl or dating a woman, female, whatever they identified as, then they would just simply fall off. Um, so yeah, I've never, you know, as with most liberal people, conservative family members make things very difficult. Um, I've wrestled with my sexuality for years. And even though my first few kisses, as I said previously, were with women, my family's conservative background and internalized homophobia, you know, it it just kind of turned me off. 
And even now I like to refer to myself as queer because I feel like my sexuality fluctuates daily. Um, I have days when I feel like I'm 100% gay and others where it's like a strong 40. So I guess I was worried to verbalize something I was never 100% sure about. But everyone is different and I've learned to accept and acknowledge the fluidity of mine whatever the percentage, I am 100%, 110% queer. So when I finally like felt ready to tell people, I decided against it because I just simply decided to be and to just have control and autonomy over my own situation. Um, and when people find out, whether it's through the podcast or through Instagram or seeing me hold a woman's hand in public in the past, most reactions have been positive or just like, not care either way. It was just like, oh yeah, cool. Um, and those who are not, you know, feel free to leave my life. But the most important thing is that all the people in my life that I love share my truth and be completely accepting of me because my queerness is who I am. It's not a performance. And for now, you know, I'm happy with leaving breadcrumbs and living my truth for, for a while, especially as someone that is bisexual. I felt guilty because I was worried I was doing the whole queer thing wrong. But now I know that you don't need to come out if you don't want to. Being part of the LGBTQIA plus community, it means that we are already under enough pressure as it is and stigmatized and minorities. So you don't need to sit down and have a serious discussion if you simply don't feel comfortable, ready, or want to. You know, straight people don't need to come out after all. Uh, would it be helpful for some people to know? Yeah, so I tell them. However, that's not possible for everyone in my life to know at the moment, and and I'm okay with that, you know? But I honestly believe that the people who love you for you, you know, they're ready to be supportive, or they'll say, you know what, I'm not surprised. So it's, it's honestly individual to everyone, you know? Those people that are close to you and deserve to be in your life, not that they'll be indifferent, but they'll just love you just the same. So yeah, when a lot of times I have my own biphobia or prejudices against myself because I'm like, if I tell someone I'm bisexual, then they're going to think I need a threesome or they're going to think I like want to fuck everyone or yada, yada, yada. But when I remember when I told Nick, my boyfriend, he was just kind of like, oh, cool. And he's never pressured me into doing anything that I don't feel comfortable doing. So there's that conversation. Now let's get into the fun stuff. So demisexuality, this is a term I heard a couple years ago. And a demisexual is a person who experiences sexual attraction only when they feel a true emotional bond with the person. This is me 110%. For instance, they, I've never really felt like sexually attracted to a person I randomly see at a coffee shop. <laughs> But if I were to start talking to that person and form an emotional connection, then I might become sexually attracted over time. And as is the case with any type of sexuality, there's much room for nuance here. So for that reason, any definition of these terms isn't absolutely concrete. It's up to the individual to truly define what their own sexuality looks like and how it presents, you know? So that's why as someone that's a demi and sapiosexual, I can't talk. I even have a sapiosexual tattoo. If you guys want to check it out, check out my Insta at Big Juicy Plump. But I've never understood 
one night stands or casual sex, which you probably know because I, I have my own biases and I will heavily state that like casual sex is, it's not spiritual. It's for the most part. So I have my own judgments against it, which I'm working on to let go of, but I just can't fathom fucking someone you don't know. It's just a body. It's just like, why wouldn't I do that shit myself? And I get so grossed out because I'm like, I don't know what the fuck they're, where they've been. Like, I don't know who the fuck was all up in that. Like, I don't know if they have an STI or, you know, and I myself, I don't say that judging or like shamefully because I had an STD at one point. Like, I just don't know. And I just can't imagine it being pleasurable or fun or good if I'm not emotionally bonded with that person. So it's an important discussion because while it's true that many people do want to experience an emotional connection to another person before engaging in any sort of sexual intimacy, this isn't considered the same thing as being demisexual. So the difference is that those who identify as demisexual cannot feel attracted to people they don't already have an emotional bond with or know on a deeper level. So for example, a demisexual person wouldn't find themselves attracted to a like famously sexy celebrity or even a classically attractive person on the street. In other words, they tend to not feel the same intensity or longing the way others might. That's what I said in my last episode. And I didn't mean it in like a rude way, but like, I don't find many people attractive. Like it takes a lot for me to find someone good looking. Like, yeah, I could call my friends cute and pretty and stuff like that. But like, For the most part, I'm just walking around thinking that everyone's ugly. I'm just kidding, kind of. (laughs) I have to, like, I have to vibe with you. You have to have a good fucking personality for me to, like, be attracted to you. Um, And I think this goes to my demisexuality. Like, I don't feel sexual attraction towards someone until I've bonded, whereas someone else might develop an emotional bond only after, you know, they've experienced that spark of sexual attraction. So it's just interesting and I can't like hate on other people's experiences because it's okay to not be demisexual. Um, A lot of people that are demisexual consider themselves to be on the asexual spectrum because while they may be attracted to people over time, they don't feel primary attraction. Um, And for a hot minute, I was suspicious and suspecting that I was asexual because I I don't really like sex all that much. Like I love learning about sex. I love helping people as like a sex coach and a sex educator and in a very short while, a sex therapist. But the act of sex itself, it just feels so primal and like not deep to me. And I really, as many of you know, I'm super honest and transparent on the show. Like I hardly ever climax during sex. And that doesn't mean I don't like having sex with my boyfriend. It's just like, I could rather be doing like a million other things. And I, I think part of the reason why I have sex is because I know that that's how my boyfriend likes to bond with me. And I'm not imposing here that you should ever have sex if you don't want to. I just think a lot of it honestly comes down to my sexual trauma and history of abuse and sexual violence versus actually being asexual. Um, So with something as complex and multi-layered as human sexuality, it makes sense that one word doesn't capture someone's full experience as a sexual being. 
Um, another term that I highly identify with is sapiosexual. So sapiosexuality means that a person is sexually attracted to highly intelligent people, so much so that they consider it to be the most important trait in a partner. And this is a relatively new word that has become more popular in the recent years. So both LGBTQIA plus people and heterosexual sexual people might identify as sapiosexual. However, some people who identify as sapiosexual do so in order to claim the sexual identity that's outside of traditional binaries like heterosexuality. So, yeah, there's, you know, I, I identify with being sapiosexual. Um, and this makes it really hard to date and use dating apps uh, because it's like you aren't having deep intellectual, intellectually intelligent, stimulating conversations generally over Tinder. That's a generalization. Um, one dating app I tried that I thought was pretty cool as someone that's into metaphysics and quantum healing and things like that was Meet Mindful. It's like a mindfulness dating app. And I think that newer dating apps such as Hinge are more mindful in getting to know a person rather than just swiping left or right based on sexual primordial attraction, you know? So the ultimate meaning of sapiosexuality depends on the intention of the person using the word. It could suggest anything from a general preference for smart partners to a type of pansexuality in which intelligence trumps everything and makes gender irrelevant. So it's funny because I've dumped quite a few people because I didn't feel like I could have those intellectual conversations with them. And this isn't to put people down that have a learning disability or um, an IEP or anything like that. Everyone is where they're supposed to be. Everyone is who they are for a reason. And I'm no better or less than anyone and no one is more superior or inferior to me. It's just a personal preference. Like my boyfriend, Nick, although he's not the conventional, like, MBA or four-year undergrad program person because he has he learns in a different way than most people I could have those like challenging cool conversations with him where I actually feel like I'm being stimulated and pushed to learn and grow and for me it's all about can you develop together further you know and bettering and helping yourself so people who consider themselves sapiosexual often will find themselves in relationships with people who share this value. Um, these couples often enjoy intellectual activity as, as an integral part of emotional bonding, sometimes even physical foreplay. Um, if a sapiosexual person is in a relationship with a partner who doesn't have the same interests or morals, it's, you know, it's important for both people to work together to make sure everyone's needs are met. Um, and there's kind of like, is there a difference between sapiosexuality and simply preferring to date smart people? Um, I think that sapiosexuality focuses on this to a much stronger degree. And most people do find intelligence attractive to a point. Um, but for me, at least I'll give an example. Like I get so fucking wet and turned on and horny <laughs> when one, a person has proper grammar. That's a hundred percent a red flag to me. I'm a vocab snob. Like if someone doesn't spell something correctly, I have to correct them or I just, I have like, I don't want to say I look down upon them, but I get really turned off. And on the opposite hand, when my boyfriend uses big words, that big vocab really gets 
it gets things going downstairs, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so that's just for me, um, personally, like I find that so fucking hot. There's nothing more attractive to someone that can like challenge me and like use big vocab and knows how to properly smell. (laughs) I almost said how to properly smell. That's important too. I love a person that smells good. Um, but yeah, so let me know if anyone can relate to this. Let me know if you have any questions or just any comments about your own experiences with this stuff. This isn't generally talked about in like on a daily basis in my day-to-day life with people because a lot of people just don't know. And I'm not saying like, oh, education is everything. It's honestly not. You could be so smart and wise and an old soul and not have gone to college. And you could be intelligent and knowledgeable and have gone to college. It's not really about college for me. It's more about um, just like having a good conversation, being able to hold hold my brain and keep me stimulated and entertained and just attentive, you know? That's what it's about for me. It's not about knowing uh, math or something, because I could give two fucks about that. It's just about meeting me on where I'm at and vibing and, like, having that good, fun chemistry and stuff like that. That's just me personally. Everyone's different. Some people just don't even like to talk at all, but... I don't really think that this would be their cup of tea if they would be listening to this if that was them and they didn't really care about having those important, deep, like, mind-altering conversations. Those are super cool to me. And if you can, you know, if you can excite my brain, you can excite other areas on my body. So that's that. So I'm going to wrap this up because I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. I plan on getting really fucking high tonight. I'm really excited to get high. (laughs) I haven't been high in so long, so I am looking forward to it. Um, So yeah, send me your questions, comments, concerns, send me anything for the Ask a Sex Educator segment. And I'll answer your questions on the show. You can reach out to me on Instagram at Sex and Spirituality Pod. Feel free to like, rate, subscribe, and share. And I hope you have a sexy day.